This is Life School Podcast, episode number 169, and today we're going to talk about art, identity, and the importance of letting your true self be known and loved. Welcome to the Life School Podcast, where each week you'll learn how to live with greater intentionality and an integrated faith that naturally fits into every area of life. This is the stuff that your parents, teachers, and pastors forgot to tell you. I'm Heath Hollinsby, here with your host, Cesar Kalinowski. Oh man, I am loving summer. It is stunning. Here we are, we're just about to the longest day of the year. What's that called? The vernal equinox? Is that what it is? Oh, is it this? Or is that is a it summer solstice? No, I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. That's, how a, it all that's works. a type of Chevy, like a <laughs> it's a Chevy Equinox. Yeah, I uh, uh, <laughs> we were just talking about how beautiful this time of year is. All the flowers are out now. Oh. Walking through your neighborhood is like uh, oh, everything, Alice in but Wonderland. Everything is here. Everything right now is. But it's also I just I like the long day. Yeah, and it's good for all kinds of things. You know, you just feel like you get up. It's light. We're on it. You know, yeah. there's like plenty of time to ha- hang out and party with people and neighbors stuff. Neighbors around. Yeah, God starting to see people I haven't seen in know, six months. Yeah, and I know people start taking vacations in summer, and it's like, oh, it's tough to do mission. Like so many people in their small groups, you know, they they take the summers off. Yeah. And they're like, but then you ask them, like, your small group like a family? Yeah. How do you take the summer off? I mean, maybe like me telling my kids, you know, like, yeah, see you come August, you know, or see you, yeah, see you in the fall. Yeah. It's yeah. Tr- so old Ma Hollinsby just moved here to the Northwest. Yeah. And she's blown away by how light it stays in the summer here. Already. Yeah, it's already, I mean, it's <laughs> yeah. nine at night and you still can kind of go yeah, outside beautiful. without flashlights. Soon it'll be even later. Well, so listen, this is episode 169. That's going to be the magic number for you, brother. Because <laughs> this is my crazy. Career. So you wrote a book. What the heck? I know, man. I just got bored. And I was like, I'm I feel bored. Because like you got nothing going on with those four kids and your <laughs> 10 jobs and everything else. Um, so yeah. tell us a little bit about where this all came from and and you know and the passion behind it because i yeah. i know uh, from having written several books sure it's a lot of work man it's a lot like of work. you shouldn't write books unless you have to yeah yeah so this <laughs> uh so my passion comes from um the book's called the holistic artist and it's an exploration into art and identity and it originally started the concept was i wanted to write 40 different devotionals on things that artists and creatives in the church need to die to during the season of lent that was kind of the concept. It's sort like, of Lenten. Yeah. Died of pride. Died of feeling yeah. you have to have all the answers. Good. And, uh, and it kind of evolved. So it still is 40 chapters, but I took it away from the Lent sort of thing and just decided to write some thoughts on arts and creativity. My, By the way, too, I don't know if all of our listeners know that you're a musician yeah. and a songwriter and yeah. even work at a church as a worship leader and coordinator yeah. and all that stuff. And you've been involved in music and music production and that stuff. Forever. Yeah, since I, I did one year of college and dropped out and started touring nationally and <laughs> decided I'm going to do true. music for And we have that in common. We both are yeah. super involved in music and love music and we go see lots of concerts and all that. So, but anyway, go ahead. Yeah. And so uh, it all started really the identity of a like kind of a missional creative came from um, an invite to move to the Northwest to work with, uh, with a network of churches here that decided we want to figure out what it looks like to really engage artists in the city. How do we speak a clear language to them? How do we look at the redemptive side of art in our culture? Because mm. Tacoma is being called uh, the Portland 2.0. They're saying the arts community here is exploding. Yeah. And we are a very arts-driven town. I mean, beautiful angles. There's so many And the good cool news is, is, in many ways, the church is right at the center of that. Yeah, Like exactly. it used to always be. Yeah, yeah. Especially in a Christendom culture, the church, even up to the mid eighteen hundreds, some of the wealthiest people in the church were 
senior pastors because what they did, they were also the leading art tradespeople. They were yep. negotiating the deals yeah, with all the great arts in the city. Yep. So I, I left Nashville, came out here to be working with artists and creatives, and uh, my heart really is for artists that that are followers of Jesus that feel like they haven't, in a, in a typical church setting, been able to express and use their gifts and have gone out and to do it on their own. And that, you know, that hasn't always been the case. Like, it used no. to be, um, and I used to be involved in fine art, mm-hmm. probably publishing and all, and still own part of a publishing company and all that, but uh, having to do with spiritual art and all that. But um, arts used to be, like, some of the, it was, <laughs> it was the Facebook, it was the social media, yeah. I mean, it was the news, it was... Art is how lo- lots of important things, spiritual things, were communicated, sure. and the church and and faith based art uh, was at the center of so much of life and culture for a long time, true culture yeah. for a really long time. But now it's sort of like the arts have sort of taken a back seat in the church, yeah. and we you know we only worry about like does the curtain you know match the preacher's hair color and you know what does, oh, he doesn't like blue, yeah, you know, he's, sure. got, he's got blue eyes though, you know, so, um, and all that. So. Um, well, you know, where where are you where where are we getting to? Like, where yeah. are we going to go? Do you think? Well, um, I think that where we see it having taken a backseat in throughout the history of the church is typically in like the 15th century with the invention of the Gutenberg printing press. So up until that time, you had artists that were creating stained glass and they were doing dramas and there was passion plays and there was uh the hymns were being rewritten to famous bar songs so they were memorable to people mm. uh, there were liturgical colors and flags that hung out side of the and cathedrals. i know you are a big f- fan <laughs> a flag of the flag ministry liturgical yeah. <laughs> no but they would tell people the story of like hey it's we're coming up on ordinary time we're coming up on uh christmas and advent looks like yeah, this right what happened in 1440 was the gutenberg printing press where now everyone has the ability to have a book. So you've got senior pastors that have Bibles, but you have an illiterate culture that doesn't know how to read. And so everything becomes about the Word, the Word, the Word, the Word of the God. The printed Word. Yeah, the printed Not Word. Not the Word, capital W, living Word, Jesus himself, no, as it becomes much as about the, the text-based. Yeah, so it's almost like Oprah, right? Everybody gets a Bible, and now <laughs> you're supposed to go study it, except no one knows how to read. And so the arts get pushed outside of the church or to the corners. The pulpit gets moved right to the center of the stage, and everything becomes so text-based about the words that the How artists... sad that the Word, the living Word, was so much more beautiful and diverse and present yeah. before all of a sudden we cut down trees, printed ink upon the pages that we made from that pulp, and now we're telling people, now you have it. But we had it, but now we've lost it. But, you know, That's and terrible. That, and please don't hear Heath saying or myself saying like, oh, what, you don't like your Bibles? Or, yeah, <laughs> or no, the Bible's the problem? Not at all. It's just that culturally, I think what Heath's helping us understand is that things did shift when all of a sudden we started putting the word yep. instead of living and active in language, i.e. the arts yep. that everybody can understand and feel and viscerally reproduce and all that into the hands of the fewer who were literate and could read. And yeah. now they're the only ones who get to interpret it and exactly. all that. It wasn't necessarily an upgrade for us. No, the world, you know? not at all. And when you ask about where, where I think art's going is I think there has to be a differentiation between uh, communal art and, uh, and self like kind of, loathing art. So self-expression is very different than art, and that art was always designed to benefit a community. And a lot of what we're seeing that we're calling art is actually just self-expressionism, just being vomited. So Ooh, the, like p- pull that apart a little bit. Yeah, so so you have the arts that are to benefit a community, to to uh, to mature a community, to share ideas, to, to proclaim, to, exactly. to adjust, right? To call back, all that. Completely. And then what you have now, a lot of people, it's just like, well, I got to I got this feeling I have to get out. I want people to to understand my heart and my 
I, and then I want to be lauded for it and made famous and wealthy for it. Totally. Like, like you get to, you know, just take a dump on that page and yeah. call it art. You get to. Yeah, but that's not but art. It's not necessarily redemptive or culturally relevant or any of that. Yeah, right? no. So I think, and the and the end result of self-expressionism is loneliness, and it's the opposite mm. of community that we were designed to be in. Like we were designed to be that's together. That's that whole lonely artist syndrome. It's like, but you're not doing art. Yeah. You're serving you instead of serving. Yeah. everybody else you know, serving and you community. think that everybody wants to see this this stuff that you're or vomiting your out thing there or hear this song that you wrote it's meaningful to you only and it's like you get to yeah but don't be bummed when it doesn't connect with your culture because you didn't write it for your culture absolutely yeah that's yeah. kind of where i'm going yeah. with him so why is and then this comes through strong in in, in your book by the yeah. way name of the book yeah, the holistic artist: an exploration into art and identity. There you go. Yeah. You got to get it in there. Yeah. Know, it's not really a plug. <laughs> it's about on Amazon, book, but Prime. Yeah. Um, yeah. But in there, it's very clear um, that you know that this is important to you. Why is appreciating beauty mm-hmm. such a so important? Yeah. Well, I think I appreciate it because God appreciates it. You know, pragmatism um, is yes, slowly killing. Yeah, yeah, he does. does. Just pause there. Don't run over that. Like, <laughs> God ap- appreciates beauty. Yeah. Like, we could live in this boring world. He, and he looked, he sat back and he looked at it and he said, and this is good. Yeah. Like he stopped to appreciate yeah, beauty. Constantly, yeah. You know, we were just talking a minute ago, like my neighborhood with just the flowers and the bushes and the colors here. It's like, it's nuts, right? Yeah. Yeah, well, we all planted this. <laughs> yeah. You know, like imagine when God planted it. Right. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah, you know, I think if there's anything that we could learn about God's character from just admiring this world that is around us, it's that it's creative and it's diverse and it's multifaceted and that he is actually fascinated with the detail and beauty. Yeah. And you look at the people and the results mm. of his handcrafted pleasure. And I don't know about you, but like that just ruins me because we could live in this world that is just black and white and grayscale, just yep. enough grayscale to provide the very basics of existence. But we actually live in this massive detonation of beauty and awe and diversity. And, and you ever this... wonder why? Like, why is everything not just gray? And why do we not just like, oh, I'm stuffed. You know, yeah. just ate a meal. Why, why texture and taste and, and flavor, flavor and spice? And spice. Yeah, all that stuff. And, and I it's think our world is... God and his character and what he loves and what he finds pleasure in and all of it. Yeah, he's revealing himself to us through the yeah. aesthetics. And yeah. our, our world, I, I say even in the books, just full of this useless beauty. There's so many millions of creatures and species, uh, and that's just but that we know useless. about. It's not yeah. useless. Well, it's man. useless in the sense of like, not that it's not pragmatically useful, but it's it's this sense of like it doesn't. It's it's the abundance of God's creativity overflowing. I mean, just exists for beauty. We could have yeah. one species yeah. of frog rather than fifty thousand that we know about, <laughs> and probably another hundred thousand that we haven't even discovered yet. And so, the reason that art is so important to me, and appreciating beauty is so important to me, is that I think that. Our ultimate meaning stems from the fact that he's invested and he's put into us the very essence of himself. Mm. And because we're image bearers, we get to bear this fascination and this wonder. Uh, you know, scripture, and express it absolutely. Yeah, which is what good artists are doing. Not, it, isn't that amazing that we're not just observers; we're participants in it. Yeah. That was God's grand design. Like here, I'm getting part of like this. look at this. Now you're in charge. Now go go and be fruitful and multiply. Yeah, it's amazing. And the, and the thing that scares me is when I look at kind of the modern-day capital C corporate church now, is that everything is so pragmatic. Everyone's stealing the same four or five songs. I mean, I see worship leaders 
from 50 churches put their set list online and they're all pulling the same couple songs. Yeah. The the graphics that we're using are bought from a stock image house in Southern California. And so the church of... And we're exporting it, by the way. I was just overseas not too long oh. ago again. And it was like, whoa, that set list was from seriously 1992 yeah. at the church I used to be at. Yeah. So that same was exactly, couple, yeah. three or four people writing all the music. Mm. And so we're commanded to go out and be in awe. Scripture tells us this in Matthew 6, when we look at the birds of the air, uh, that they <laughs> they neither sow nor reap, but they gather into barns, and your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And going out into the field and admiring the the lilies of the field, uh, a Western consider the lilies. Yeah, consider the <laughs> and, and and the Western way of looking at that is, oh, this is how we cure anxiety. But an Eastern way of looking at it is actually a command of like, no, go out and take walks through your neighborhood and actually be in awe. Like, yeah. let pick up a flower that is diverse in color and petals, and let that overwhelm you. It's actually funny, a recent study made a breakthrough discovery that reveals that the existence of this friendly bacteria, Friendly bacteria. Yeah, it's <laughs> present in soil, So, uh. Uh, which is actually will help increase the levels of serotonin in the brain, um, which the byproduct of that is the same result as antidepressants. So one of the leading chemicals in Xanax is actually coming from soil. So like... We'll this is good and... news for me because very often as we walk around the neighborhood, I take my grandson with me, Patton, mm-hmm. and he has to touch everything. He touches every plant. He oh, touches let him. the dirt. Uh, we, yesterday we were working uh, in the garden together and, you know, he was having to touch and taste the worms Yeah, and, and it all goes in his mouth and that maybe it's friendly bacteria. Yeah. <laughs> like that's why like He's on, mellow on my days He's off, mellow. <laughs> I'm gardening. Why? Because yeah. there's something that happens in me when I'm actually yeah. participating in that creation. So, all right. So. Um, another of the concepts that you address in your book is the idea of dividing the sacred and the secular, like that, that that's happening. Yep. And, um, like, isn't everything sacred? Like, what do you, what do you, yeah. get in the, what do you dig out there in the book? I tend to be of the mindset that everything is sacred and, uh, I live in a world and have been influenced theologically by people that go, no, you got to say, uh, you got to turn on Christian radio. You got to be uplifted by the songs mm. and you're not listening to secular radio, right? And we're, you're not uh you're not gonna see a secular movie. And you you're know, and watch... I, I don't say I know we have a lot of listeners where that's the case or that's the way they were raised. Yeah. And there is this huge divide and it's almost like there's a fear connected to it. Like, you know, if I if I listen to non Christian radio in the car, somehow it's I'm bad for it. Hmm. That 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 beauty, that art is somehow degraded. Now, we're not talking lyrical content, we're talking art in its grander sense. Exactly. And I think it's the Apostle Paul himself who said, All truth, mm-hmm. if it's true. And I think you could put beauty in there too. Is yeah. God's truth and beauty? Absolutely. And, if it's if it's true and beautiful, then it, it's the source is God. Absolutely. And you can find that, and you can honor that, and worship that, and be awed by that. Well, and one of the things that Paul does so well is when he goes to when he goes to Mars Hill, is he's actually arguing, you know, about the the unknown gods. Like Paul understands culture. He knew the writers of the yep. day, not just the Christian writers. He yep. didn't substitute Up on the Areopagus. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. No, he. He was very well-versed in local art. One of the things that Nancy Piercy has in her book, Total Truth, she says that the biblical message isn't just about like this isolated part of life that's called religion or church life, but it's all of life. And that the scope, like the narrative of creation, fall, redemption, they're cosmic, describing that that way should shape the nature of all created mm. reality. We don't need to fragment between our faith and the rest of the life. Yeah. Uh, yep. And so True, man. Yeah, that's that's what I'm seeing. That's um, pretty big, though. That's pretty big. Yeah. So I think I think it does include all of life. I think that's uh, when you when you start separating, it's like where do you start? 
where do you start drawing those boxes and who are we to think that we have the right to, to draw those now, boxes? W- w- what would you say to like a listener who's um, maybe newer to the faith yeah. or, or they just know like, you know, I, I'm not super mature in all that. So right now sort of some walls up or a little bit of a few uh, guardrails, so to speak from culture. Sure. I have thought is helping me, you know, to be, conformed to Christ or, yeah. you know, or to stop sinning or whatever. So for me, I just don't participate in most of that stuff. You know, mm-hmm. isn't that being conformed to the world and all that? And what, what do you say to that? That's an honest search yeah. for righteousness. Well, I think that we're called to be in the world, but not of it. And so how do we enter into the world? By pursuing Christ. A lot of the stuff that we tend to divide and fragment out of our lives just really conforms us into better moralists than anything. It, yeah. it doesn't really push us necessarily to Jesus. It just... I trust in the walls that I've built. Exactly. Versus I trust in Christ and his spirit now in me. Yeah. Absolutely. And because we're the salt of the earth, we're the preserving agents of this world that's deteriorating. We're the redemptive voice that gets to enter into the, the restoration of all things and herald this new kingdom about a good and right and just Savior who's coming. Uh, I say, if it's helpful for a season to step back and kind of, you know, maybe not watch HBO... <laughs> whatever it is it might be your your knack yeah go ahead and do that but but ultimately make sure that you're pursuing christ and that you're not trusting in the walls that you've built uh, built up for yourself to make you feel superior yeah moralistically. And you, something that uh i was mentored in as a young christian and a young parent was you can either abstain from everything and fear it all and trust in your own walls and all that yeah or you can engage those things in community with others and with your kids mm-hmm. and you can say so now what are, what are we seeing here that is like what god's like or what are we seeing here that's really maybe anti what God's about. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. And we can actually decide, like we can use that, use art, use culture, use, you know, media, all that to fuel the conversation where we get to be the salt and light. Yeah. Or we can leave the salt on the beach and it'll never make it over, you know, the lights in a box kind of thing. It'll never make it into the culture. Exactly. That can't be the way. Well, and that's what, you know, when I look at a bunch of Christians that will gather together and say, hey, we don't participate in this or we don't do this or we only listen to this or we only read this. I go, you guys are just barns of salt. You're not you're not being scattered to the earth that we're called to be. And you're not even actually being in the world. Right. A barn of salt or it's on the beach still, never yeah. applied to the food or, you know, rubbed into the meat or whatever. It brings it's not no, doing its job. Does no preservation. Yeah. Does no yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's kind of what Okay. Where about that. So um another interesting thing that you hint at, and I think pretty strongly in your book is uh, is the prophetic nature of artists themselves. Yeah. Many, true artists, prophetic nature of that. And and I think that that is very desperately needed in yeah. the church today. Now, I will say this. People generally, like, kill the prophets. Sure. <laughs> they shoot <laughs> them. They run them out of town, right? Yeah. Um, like, talk about that a little bit. Expound on that for us. Yeah, so um, so kind of what's underlining the heart of, of my writing and the thing that keeps me driving to want to produce and, and create content for artists that feel that they don't have a place in the church uh, is just this concept that the life of an artist being a prophetic is obviously... And oftentimes, a lonely life. Like you said, people aren't running the pastors out of town. The shepherds are always safe to stay in the hills. It's the prophets that are being shot at, like a Western movie on the way out. Uh, <laughs> and so this concept of the prophetic artist that's really formed me the most actually came from uh, David McDonald, who was a guest on episode 129 of the Life School wow, podcast. great guy, Pursuit smart of happiness. Guy. And he says that uh, in the Old Testament, the priests served as mankind's representatives before God, but prophets, on the other hand, were God's representatives to man, like their mouthpiece. Uh, and they were involved in both foretelling and forthtelling, so communicating the mind of God for the present, as well as communicating the mind of God for the future. Uh, and in the New Testament, there's an absence of kings and priests 
because now we are the priesthood of believers, and prophets and apostles now actually serve as counterpoints to one another, giving these sort of checks and balances mm-hmm. and helping us navigate the church with direction and focus. Um, the but, prof- do, but do they? Do they get to? They get to, yeah. I, th- I think <laughs> they do, but not often, because uh, prophets are often run out. There's this, there's this line in, that David McDonald says that it's a little lengthy, but man, it has shaped my world nonstop. And he says, the prophet and artist is often without peers because they're difficult temperament. One of the most (laughs) significant truths in this metaphor is sadly unflattering to both the prophet and the artist is that the fact that they tend to be remembered as difficult and contentious people. But what if that's their role, their unique social DNA for the church? Like maybe artists were sent as prophetic voices to the church precisely to slow them down and to irritate us and to make us think and cause us to reevaluate and cause mm. us to find new alternatives. Um, biblically, we see a bunch of examples of prophets who were not very respectable people. They were offensive, they were uncouth. I mean, Hosea married a prostitute, Jeremiah about land that just been destroyed, Ezekiel laid on his side for a year beside a model of Jerusalem, <laughs> Saul ne- uh, prophesied naked. And like Jesus was no more orthodox than these, exemplified by his cutting down of the fig tree, his prophecy of temple destruction. John the Baptist was a nutcase. You know, I think the last thing that I would quote from David McDonald, because I think he does speak really well on this, is a word of caution to uh, those in church leadership that are that are typically prone to shut the artist down. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what he says is that whatever the motivations of the artist or even the prophet might be that underlines their weirdness, <laughs> that the caution should be prepared for us and not for them, that we need to be able to discipline our hearts, like not just to pass judgment, but to receive anything that God may want to instruct us with through them, like regardless yeah. of how abstract or weird it might be. Because all throughout Scripture, everyone who ignored the prophets because of the prophetic behavior of them, they suffered for it. Yeah, like that's what it I'm wasn't the prophets, at, yeah. yeah, that suffered. It was it was those who didn't listen to them because, well, you could have said it a little bit nicer, yeah. or you weren't polished enough, or, or we had our plans. We were heading this way, and you're throwing the brakes on that, yeah. or you're pointing us back to that, yeah, yeah, or forward to this, or yeah. yeah I think the artists are the ones that we got to pay attention well, to. Well, by God's grace, let us not continue to repeat those mistakes. So yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm grateful that you're talking about it and writing about it, and you've really poured your heart into this. And I just want to yeah. let people know who decide they want to check out the book. Sure. Um, it's it's a, it's a one of those reads where it's like, it's not heavy in the sense of like, it's not crazy, crazy long. It's yeah. broken up into all these little short sort of like A page thoughts. and a half, yeah, thought. Yeah, thought, like a devotional kind of piece and all. Yet, it takes a little bit of chewing on yep. to take and soak up that little chunk. Yeah. So it's not one of those books you sit down like, I read it all in the night. No sweat. You totally could. Now read one every morning. Yeah. Or before you go to bed, let it soak on your heart a little bit. You know? Yeah, think through it. Wrestle That's through it. That's kind of fun. That'd be a fun way to, you know, to do it. So, yeah. okay. So as always, and I get to say this this week, as always, uh, we like to, you know, kind of start to wrap up our show with the big three, which are, if nothing else, they're the three minimum takeaways. Mm-hmm. And we kind of tend to follow head, heart, hands, meaning something that like, don't miss this, know this, yeah. believe this. And then here's, here's some ideas on how to get started maybe yeah. changing this. So, and by the way, um, Every week we give you the big three so you don't have to try to write them all down or if you're at the gym or whatever. So you can get this big three, as always, by going to 123lifeschool.com and then add forward this week, add forward slash episode 169. Again, that's 123lifeschool.com forward slash episode 169. And we'll send them right out to you along with a bunch of other goodies and links yeah. to videos and stuff and freebies and all that. So. It's so weird hearing you do this. I mean, it's 69 episodes. This I was kind of lumpy. I'm not as good at this as you. <laughs> All right, so the big three, again, the head, heart, hands. The head side, I would say, stop dividing the world into a sacred, secular dichotomy. 
Um, I believe that as Christians, we get to affirm Christ's lordship over all of life. God created one world and he called it blessed. And then he stopped and took a look back and he was just pleased with it. Even 1 Timothy 4 4 through 5 says that everything created by God is good and nothing is to be rejected if it's received with thanksgiving, for it's made holy by the word of God and by prayer. And so, Mm. number one, stop dividing the world into sacred and secular. Number two, the heart side. You are fully known and loved exactly as you are, so you can let your redemptions show. And we get to live into this. Caesar, you say this a lot, like, live, let your redemption show. Yeah. Uh, and it's spot on. God doesn't just love a future version of who you are, uh, but he loves us as we are right here, right now. And really good people only need a nominal Savior. So we get to be free to be who we truly are with our flaws and all, and Christ appears more beautiful as the Savior. Yeah, I need. I don't need a nominal Savior. No. <laughs> I got a lot of redemption needing to go on. I need a full-blown Savior. Yeah, so full-blown good, Savior. good reminder. And isn't that good news? Oh, Absolutely. Okay, third one. Third one is uh, the hand side of this, is to practice seeing the entirety of our lives as God sees it. So the word holy is the root word for which we get our word whole or wholeness. So either God is the creator of the whole man and the universe and reality and existence, or he's God of none of it. Hmm. Even more specific, either Christ has redeemed the whole man, including sin, or he's, re- or he's redeemed nothing of us. And so either our lives are under the lordship of Jesus or no part can be. So that's, that's so big. I back that up. <laughs> People hear that again. Yeah. That, that alone is worth downloading the big three because yeah. that is so powerful. It's either all been finished it's all finished at the cross or it's not or it's not yeah right and we, we don't get to pick and choose and like what are the parts i'm st- i'm still working on and yeah how does god see it and all, yeah. he's faithful and just to see us through the end like you know our sanctification yeah. is, is his work not awesome. ours. awesome well that is awesome and man i hope our, our folks will go to that and get that again that you can go to one two three lifeschool.com forward slash episode 169 and we'll send you the notes for the big three along with a bunch of other goodies and stuff like that okay cool and if you haven't yet uh, joined the facebook group that is a fun group good community how do you do that yeah you just go up to the search bar on facebook type in life school podcast we'll approve you to the group and you get to join in banter back we'll and forth. approve you yeah it's just one of those facebook things you gotta yeah. go like can i go and then it's yeah. like yeah we always say yeah I <laughs> unless you're a knucklehead and then we'll have to kick yeah. you back <laughs> hey so next far, week, no knuckleheads everybody's been great like, yeah people are so cool jump in the water's fine let's keep keep the conversation going yeah next week we're flipping the microphones back but we're actually having a special guest with us too but you'll yeah. be back on the host another special guest <laughs> we're going to talk about the role that culture plays specifically in light of the topic of marriage and singleness being which, redefined yeah absolutely so we've got an expert named cutter calloway who's a Ooh, phd from fuller down in southern he california is an expert yeah so it'll Love be a, it. he has a new book coming out on it we'll interview him on that topic and i think that's sure to be a good one awesome hey thanks for joining us again today thanks for letting me share a little bit about this, this book great. i'm excited yeah. to i just so you know heath didn't say let me talk about my book or anything it's like i was like heath i'm reading this book like you are super passionate about this we have to talk about it on the show so yeah. thank you yeah, brother of course man I'm glad to do it for more information you can visit 123lifeschool.com forward slash podcast